How many know you're more than a conqueror? Mm-hmm. I got something on that and a download about that. I'm going to share that with you next week. Look with me, please, at Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. And the angel, to the angel of the church of Thyatira, write, These things says the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow the woman Jezebel, oh God, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now I say to you and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, the doctrine of Jezebel he's speaking of, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast. Somebody say, hold fast. Come on, say it like you're going to do it. Say, hold fast. Hold fast what you have till I come. He who overcomes, somebody say, that's me, and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels, as I have also received from my Father. I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Somebody say praise God for his word. Father, help me today to teach and to preach on the rewards of an overcomer. May the overcomers in this house be reminded of their future and what they have to fight for as they keep the faith. Bless us today, God, we pray in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We began last week to look at the reward of the overcomer. These rewards of the overcomer are something that we are enjoying both now and later. How many know God will bless you now and later? How many believe God will reward you now and later? And so we started this series last week and we are walking in the promise and the fulfillment of every promise that in this life now and in the afterlife in a place called heaven, we as the overcomers of God will experience the reward of the kingdom. God will literally reward every overcomer with a particular kind of reward and these rewards are our incentive to keep the faith. Too many people are quitting and giving up. But the Bible is clear that we have something to fight for. I don't like that fighting, Pastor. I don't like when you talk about war. And I don't like, see, the problem is we have taught cruise ship Christianity. This is not a cruise ship. We will cruise in the by and by. This is a battleship sometimes. 
How many know what I'm talking about is real? It's a battleship sometimes. Sometimes we go through wars over our children, wars over our physical well-being, wars. And we, we have to roll up our sleeves and remember what Paul told the church in 2 Timothy when he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. There is something wants to take your faith. Remember Jesus reminded Peter, something wants to shake you. Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan wants your faith, but Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail you. Hallelujah. And today those who keep their faith in Christ have the promise of a here and now and a there and later reward. And these rewards are incentive to keep going. Even on days when you feel like giving up, the fact that one day I'm going to wear a crown tells me I ought to keep on fighting even when I feel like giving up. So we're in this whole thing about reward. The text that I read to you and these seven churches that Jesus spoke to here in Revelation 2 and 3, I want to remind you that he is speaking to seven literal churches in the Asian Minor during John's day. And yet as Jesus speaks to the seven churches of Asia here in Revelation 2 and 3, we should find him speaking to us as he spoke to them. To all seven churches, he speaks to the angel of the church. We talked about this last week. I am of the opinion he's talking to the preachers of the church, the pastors and the leaders of the church. The word angel for angel there in the Greek is literally the word messenger, the person who brings the message of God. And so he communicates this is the economy of God. We may not like it. We may not like how God does it, but God has chosen in his economy the foolishness of preaching for the salvation of men's souls. And when God wanted to speak to the church, God didn't use a psychic. God didn't use some slick hair, shiny shoe prophet down the road who had no relationship. God chose the pastor of the church. How many know that a pastor is just one of the fivefold? Come on, talk to me, somebody. Now, I believe that the primary person for bringing the message of God to the local house of God is the pastor. But if the church doesn't open its heart to other voices, it becomes dependent on one of the five. How many believe that every church needs the presence of the fivefold to maximize its potential and become everything God called it to be? Say amen, somebody. If all you ever get is the pastor, you'll feel loved, you'll feel, you'll feel ooey-gooey, you'll feel connected, but you won't ever be challenged, you'll never be stretched, you'll never be confronted. How many know you need the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher so that we all grow up and become everything God called us to be? He speaks to the messenger of the church and he says, I want you to deliver this message to your church. To all seven churches, he speaks to the angel. To all seven churches, he says this to all seven, I know your works. To all seven, we are told that he reminds them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Because what good does it do if God sends you a message that the people ain't listening to? Oh, Lord. One of the real problems in the modern day church is we have the attention span of a gnat. I want to tell you today that it would do our lives well to spend more time absorbing and re receiving the word of the Lord than it would just surfing and wasting and checking things out. How many know that God wants to say something but we got to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? 
And many people are removed from the possibility of becoming what they have not become because they haven't received fresh revelation. And until you receive fresh revelation and fresh manna, you'll stay stuck at the last place God fed you. But God wants you to grow, increase, and become. And in order to move from glory to glory, according to 2 Corinthians, he does that by the Holy Spirit. And Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 12, he does it by the renewing of our mind. If your mind is stuck in yesterday's revelation, then don't ever wonder why you're stuck in yesterday. God wants to speak fresh things to you. You don't get the download all at one time. How many got a computer? How many know that you have to periodically update your computer? And when you update it, it's a series of downloads, right? Come on, y'all. Our bandwidth is only so wide, we can only take so much new, fresh information at one time. I don't know about you, but that blesses my soul to know that God isn't trying to change everything about me overnight. So chill out and get off my case, right? Because although I'm not what I'm going to be, I can definitely assure you that I'm not who I used to be. And the reason I'm not who I used to be is because God is continually speaking and downloading fresh revelation into my heart that is taking me from glory to glory. And some of us need to just open our ears to hear what God is saying. I can't hear God. When's the last time you read your Bible? Because if you're trying to float from prophetic line to prophetic line to get from prophetic word to prophetic word, I don't care what they say over you. If you don't have that book in your heart, you don't have a root system deep enough to sustain the thing God has tried to do in your life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so I'm not going to be able to, as you can tell, preach deep on all four churches, I want to tell you a couple of things about each church that I think speak to me and speak to us, and then we're going, because the thing I really want us to focus on is the, the reward of the overcomer. Now, I felt like God let me know in prayer this week very clearly, I should remind you, any victory you win is only a victory he shares with you. Jesus is the overcomer. Amen? Jesus is the overcomer. Any victory we experience is only because in his gracious kindness, he shared a victory with us. Come on, you're not going to walk off the battlefield and tell everybody how awesome you were. You're going to walk off the battlefield and say, look what the Lord has done. Come on, it wasn't my mama or my daddy that bailed me out. I'm thankful for all the people who had influence over my life. But come on, there's some stuff I got stuck in in life that I could have never got myself out of. Nobody could have bailed me out. It was the Lord that helped me overcome. If Listen, if you don't get that right, you will fight in your flesh. You will struggle in your own strength. You will try to operate in your own power. And I remind you what Zechariah said, it is not by your might, it is not by your power, but Overcomers overcome because of the Spirit of the Lord operating in your life. Say amen, somebody. And so I felt very compelled in prayer this week that I'm to remind you the victory we have in the kingdom is a victory we receive because we share it with Christ. He is the conqueror. He is the overcomer. And because he overcame, I'm going to overcome. Oh, God. That's a reason to put one foot on the ground and hands together and stomp and shout, clap, and praise the Lord. That because he overcame, my future is already decided. Oh, my God, who am I talking to? Your future is already decided. 
Come on, tell your neighbor you will overcome. Now, as I told you the first week, Jesus is an amazing leader. He's not only an amazing savior, he's an amazing leader. Before he rebukes any church, he affirms the positive things they're doing, if there are positive things. This is a great parenting tool. Before you correct and spank a child, you should tell your child, you know, you do wonderful things, but this is something you've got to work on. Okay, I lost some people when I said spanking. I see some of y'all timeout people checked out on me right there. That's all right. You, can, you don't have to spank, but we spanked in my house. The only timeout in my house is when my mama was spanking me and I called for a timeout. I ain't trying to get in your parenting business, so don't nobody send me no hateful emails. I'm just trying to tell you. <laughs> Never mind. It don't matter what I'm trying to tell you. I can tell you ain't going to receive it anyway. Hallelujah. Here's my point. My point is this. You and I have a responsibility. And when it comes to the, se the seven churches Jesus talks to, he affirms them before he rebukes them. He tells them what they're doing well, and then he tells them what they need to take care of. That's good leadership. If you a bull in a china shop and your reputation is walking into a room and chewing everybody out, I'm going to tell you, as effective as you think you are, people despise you. Show some care. Demonstrate some compassion. And it's always easier to get more out of people when they know you care about them and not just about a bottom line. Oh, that's good leadership development right there, whether you receive it or not. You got to let people know you care. Jesus does this before he rebukes them. He tells them you're doing some things well. And it's no different here to Thyatira. He tells them your patience is incredible. Your labor is amazing. I see the love going on. You got all these wonderful things going for you. Your love, your service, your faith, your patience. But I've got something that I need to deal with in the house. You got a woman loose named Jezebel. Oh, Lord, the devil with a skirt on. Can I suggest to you that this woman in Thyatira was not the same woman in 1st and 2nd Kings, but the demon in that woman in 1st and 2nd Kings was still operating in that woman in Thyatira. And whether you like it or not, that demon is still operating in the church today. And it poses itself. I got to thinking about it because, you know, growing up, we had a real shallow definition of Jezebel. Anything with Maybelline or coverall, cover girl. Come on, Mary Kay, come along too late. She wasn't in that party. Maybelline and cover girl, if it had on ear bobs and lipstick, it was Jezebel. Y'all know what I'm, anybody know what I'm talking about right there? I'm grateful for a revelation that came along in the 90s that let sisters in the house know it's okay to wear makeup. Come on, I need some brothers in here to help me. Don't leave me out here by myself. How many know it's a sin for some sisters not to wear makeup? <laughs> Jezebel is not about makeup or no makeup. In fact, I want to take you something deeper. Jezebel never put on makeup to lure and to um, attract no, no. Jezebel didn't paint her face in the Old Testament because she wanted to seduce the man of God. She painted her face to hide something. And that's how the spirit of Jezebel works in the church. It'll hide behind titles like, like prophetess. 
And it'll hide behind little phrases like, let's go deeper. Oh, y'all not going to help nobody, so I'm going to deliver myself today. It'll hide behind little phrases like, let's have a prayer meeting and talk about everybody and tell everybody's business, but we're going to pray. Oh, no, 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 that's a spirit working. you got to be careful in this day that you don't let a spirit of Jezebel get in your house and start controlling and manipulating and deceiving and seducing. She might even have a little bit of money. But everything she gives has an attachment to it. Oh my God, I'm preaching in here today. I came to tell you that the only thing that'll run Jezebel out, it is not your little clergy shirt and your little bottle of oil and your ministerial fire number. That won't get rid of Jezebel. Your three fast songs and two slow songs will not get rid of Jezebel. The only thing that will get rid of that heifer is a move of the prophetic anointing that chases that demon out of the church and says, Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And I just want to remind that I felt this thing on me all week long. And I'm going to get this out right now. I came to remind that demon, you will not have Chattanooga. You will not sit on a throne. You will not call the shots. The devil is a liar. Jesus is Lord. He is the king of glory. And to hell with the spirit of Jezebel. I said it. I meant what I said too. Run too many preachers out of the ministry. Ran too many churches in the hole. Ran too many prophets in a cave. I came to tell you right now, Elijah, it's time for you to go back and take care of business. What God started, he's getting ready to finish it. Somebody give God praise. He says to her, you might want to come up here and help me. He said to Thyatira, I didn't think I was going to do all this. I just thought I had a little homily here. <laughs> he said to Thyatira, there is a woman operating in your house and you put up with her. You tolerate it. And it's not about gender. Oh my God. Because I know some men that got a spirit of Jezebel on them. It's about control and manipulation. It's about domination. It's about threatening the move of God. I came to Oshanda Makeosa. I feel a hot fire running up my back right now. I came to tell you in the name of the Lord, I'm grateful for everybody. I'm thankful the house is full. I'm thankful for the move of God in both services today. But I want to remind you that this is not Burger King. This is not our way. This is not customizable Christianity. We want the king to have his way. We want the Lord to be lifted up. And Jezebel has no place in the house of the Lord. So he says, she calls herself a prophetess. They go, oh God. Self-appointed, self-called, mama called. She teaches and seduces. And here's where it gets crazy. She uses her authority for sexual immorality. Here's what history teaches us about Jezebel. In that church, she was walking around to people telling them, I'll show you something deep. Let's go deep. I preach on going deep. I believe in going deep. 
Some people are just not deep. They're crazy. Oh, God, I'm about to offend 22 people. But there's some crazy people in the church. I need to talk to a preacher right now and tell you, quit worrying about the crazy people. They've been crazy before they got to you. They'll be crazy after you get rid of them. And the reason they're crazy is because they won't ever come up under subjection and they never submit and they don't know how to be taught and they get mad if you don't bless them and pat them and hold them and coddle them and let them sing and they can't even sing. They don't just leave. They take a lot of people with them. You say, Pastor, you sound worried. I'm not worried. I'm not talking about this house. I'm talking about how the spirit of Jezebel operates. There was a day and time in Chattanooga where churches were bound up and locked up. People had been members of 25 different churches. Oh, my God, I'm talking about something right here. They had just bounced around from church to church, and what they were looking for is somebody they could control. And we couldn't grow no churches in the 80s in Chattanooga because everybody wanted to be the boss. Where is my help at? I'm telling you, God broke that thing. A dam has broken over this region. Something has shifted in the atmosphere. I tell you what it is. God has dethroned that demon spirit of Jezebel and he is restoring righteousness and holiness and the word of God is taking root and God is sending awakening and he's sending revival. I need 30 people to shout right there. Come on. He said this, he said, I told her to repent. Isn't God good? He gave this woman a chance to repent. And she decided not to. And he said, unless she repents right now, he said that she's going to lay in a sick bed. And her children are going to die. That sounds awful harsh, don't it? But the reason God said her children are going to die is because he didn't want her seed to keep sitting in seats of authority. And there's some people in this room right now, you're saved and you don't even know it, but you've been operating under a spirit of Jezebel. I'm not trying to be mean or funny. I'm just telling you. Manipulate, control. We have this thing going around in the kingdom now. I'm spiritual son, spiritual daughter, spiritual father, spiritual mothers. And the first time a spiritual father gently rebukes you, you get your stuff. And run to another church. You know what? When I was growing up, my daddy spanked me. I wanted to go to the neighbor's house and get a new daddy. But I had to keep living in that house. Because at the end of the day, he loved me enough not only to feed me and to clothe me and take care of me. He loved me enough not to let me live crazy. Not everybody who, not everybody who teaches and trains is mean. And not everybody's trying to hurt your feelings. Iron sharpens iron. And sometimes you need some pressure applied to your spirit in a way that molds you and shapes you into the thing God's creating you to be. He says, I told Jezebel to get her act together. She wouldn't listen. So now I'm going to have to deal with her and her kids. And watch this. I'm moving on. Gosh, I got to go. He said, to those who overcome this spirit, 
to those who will not succumb to this manipulative, religious, controlling, anti-river of God. He says, for those who overcome, I'm going to give them authority. <laughs> Anybody you see walking in spiritual authority has wrestled Jezebel somewhere. Oh, my God. Isn't it always about authority? I mean, think about it. Elijah called for fire, and fire fell. Elijah slayed 450 false prophets of Baal. The man had authority, so much authority that after three and a half years of no rain, he said, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain, and it started raining. That's authority. But the next day, Jezebel wakes up and says, I'm getting ready to kill Elijah. And what does he do? Runs. Does that make sense to anybody in this room at all? No, but the reason he ran is because she challenged his authority. He had to get alone in a mountain with God and hear the voice of God speak to him again and remind him that it was not the shaking, the fire, or the wind that provided the authority. It was the still, small voice of God on the inside. In fact, the Bible said, oh, I don't have time to preach it. The Bible said he wrapped his head in his mantle. When you wrap your head in a mantle, you can't see or hear by the flesh. The only thing you can do is turn in and hear by the Spirit. This is a different kind of warfare, but it is the warfare God is calling his people to in this hour to stop walking by what you see. To stop walking by what you hear in the natural. To wrap your head in your mantle. And say, what are you saying to me on the inside? One word from God in a cave, in a still small voice, changed an entire nation. One word from God is still changing a nation. What is the reward for the overcomer who overcomes that spirit of Jezebel? I will give you authority. Do you hear what I'm telling you? In the now and the later, you are going to have spiritual authority when you overcome this demonic spirit. Don't succumb. Don't fight in the flesh. Don't fight people. Because sometimes the enemy's attack, uh, attack and his tactic is not just to get you discouraged. It's to get you to take care of something in the flesh that can only be solved in the spirit. I've seen preachers who the enemy wanted to get depressed, but when they wouldn't get depressed, the enemy was satisfied that they got mad and showed themselves. Both cause you, cost you your credibility. Both will cost you to lose influence. So you got to have authority, and the way you get authority, watch, is to overcome that spirit. How do we overcome the spirit of Jezebel? In the power of the Holy Ghost. You want to run Jezebel out of your church, sir? Just start having a move of God. Because I'm going to tell you, it'll sit up there and pout on you while the, the glory is falling. People just sit up there. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you let the glory fall, that mess will package you haul up and get out of that zip code before it's over with. But you can't let that dictate the temperature of the house. Say amen or something. When you overcome that spirit, you have authority. In your life, when you overcome Jezebel, you have authority. Watch this. i got to hurry. But he said it, to those who overcome that spirit, he said, I will give them authority over nations. You will rule over nations, and I'll give you the morning star. Everybody say the morning star. Now, at that point, 
we believe the morning star was Venus or one of the most, it was the absolute most distant planet in the solar system, whatever it was. Historians and theologians believe it was the most distant planet. What God is saying is, I'm going to give you all of the universe. <laughs> this is crazy. I'm going to give you the uttermost parts as the, of the universe as your possession. That's what God's going to give the overcomer. If God trusts you to overcome that spirit in the here and now, he'll trust you with authority and dominion to reign now and later. Say amen, somebody. Number two, we got to roll. Sardis. Everybody say Sardis. Verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3 is where we find it. What affirmation did he give Sardis? None. They weren't doing anything right. The only problem with Sardis, watch this, is they had a name that they were alive, but they were dead. This is a tragedy. They were actually advertising on the sign out by the road, the move of God is happening here, and we're alive. And here's the crazy thing, church history teaches us that everybody in the community thought they were living. Jesus walked in and started inspecting, and he saw things from an entirely different perspective. He said, you think you're alive, but I say you're dead. And here's what I prayed as I read this this week. God, don't let us think we're alive and operate like we got a reputation that we're alive and lose the true life of the Spirit. Because some people know how to do things and go through motions that could deceive a carnal crowd. I'm not getting no help right here. You can deceive a carnal crowd by looking like you have life, but on the inside, you got to know where your source is coming from. And Sardis had left the source of life. Sardis had left the source of life and were still having church but were dead on the inside. I want to admonish and challenge and charge you today. Do not go through motions. Do not get trapped into believing your press reports. Never live in the deception created by your own highlight reels. Don't rest on your resume. You can lose the activity and life of the spirit and be going through motions that make other people think you are alive when really on the inside you're dead. The issue is that often we repeat what we were doing while we were living in a season of increase. And we keep doing those things that we did in that season and others think because we're doing what we did when things were working that we're still alive. But I'm going to challenge you to take an inventory of what is in your heart. Are you alive on the inside? Because you can think you're alive and other people can think you're alive. But you know when the Spirit of God tells you there's something dying on the inside. And the Bible says this, that he came to the church at Sardis. He said, strengthen that which is about to die. Say strengthen. Strengthen is the Greek word, sterizo. It's where we get the word steroid. How many know what steroids do? Right? Come on. Steroids help you hit home runs. Oh, Lord, I made enemies again. Great. The church lives in a, con in a conflict with the world, with Satan, and if we don't keep going back to God for strength, we will get weak, and we've, we've got to be reminded. We've got to be reminded to strengthen ourselves. How do you strengthen yourself? In the Word? You strengthen yourself by living in the Word, by living in prayer, by living in worship? If the only time you read, pray, or worship is on Sunday, you're weak. 
If your family doesn't know you're a prayer warrior, a worshiper, or a praiser, there's something wrong. If the only, it's so funny. Come on, your kids ought to see you worship other than just Sunday morning. If your kid looks at you funny on Sunday, like, Daddy, I've never seen you act like that before. Something's wrong. Don't just live on Sunday. The word for life is the word zoe. It's where we get the word zoo. Have you ever been to a zoo? Everything's just going crazy at the zoo. I've been to the Warner Park Zoo. Gorillas and monkeys and things and attacks by peacocks and just the most incredible, crazy life. Things swimming and crawling and flying and zooming. That's what church is supposed to be like. A zoo. It's not supposed to be a cemetery. And while I say that, people, oh, oh God, oh, oh. It's a zoo. And it's not just a zoo because we want to look like a zoo. It's a zoo because on the inside, the Holy Ghost is going crazy on the inside of us. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. Sardis, you got to overcome this death spirit. And if you overcome this death spirit, watch this. Your, your reward for an overcomer is that I will clothe you in white garments. I will clothe you in white garments and I will let your name be kept in the book of life. How many want your name to be in the book? And how many want to show up one day in glory? The Bible said in the book of Jude, he is able to present you faultless, blameless, and with great glory to the Father. Come on, you are not crossing the finish line talking about, oh my God, this was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Come on, we're crossing the finish line saying, look what the Lord has done. Come on, put it in the key of A flat. Let me shout all the way across the finish line. Hallelujah. This generation is not going out in a fizzle. This generation is going out in a fire. I wish I had someone to help me preach right now. You and I cannot die. We cannot let a spirit of death come on us and zap out of us the praise, the passion, the zeal, the wonder, the glory, the awe. Where in the world is the, listen, the church is being lied to by, by people who want us to calm down, tone down, chill out, and just act like we're, we're any other social group on the face of the planet. We are not like any other social group on the face of the planet. We're not the Kiwanis. We're not the Lions Club. We're not a country club. We're the kingdom. And there is a God who is alive. And because he is alive, blind eyes open and lame legs walk and the sick are healed when Jesus shows up. Overcome. Because one day you're going to stand in white. And one day you're going to be given entrance into the kingdom of God because you are an overcomer. And you didn't let that dead, dry spirit of this world choke the life of God out of you. Well, people think I'm crazy if I praise. I think you're crazy if you don't. It makes no sense to me not to be deep, passionate worshipers. Have some life. Come on, look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, get a life.
Get alive. Get alive. Don't go through emotions. Get alive. Don't just go through religious routine. Get alive. Have some life. Yeah, people are going to talk about you and say you're fake and crazy and all you do is smile, but get alive. Sardis lost its life and they had to get it back. He said, if you don't get it back, I'll come to you like a thief. A thief. That doesn't mean he's coming to steal something. It means they misidentified him when he showed up. He came as the king of glory. They, they thought he came as a thief. He's not the thief. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have. They missed it. And some people in our churches today are missing it because people are telling them, you know, don't be a part of that excited crowd. Join that, you know, that highly academic. Listen, I have nothing wrong with academia. I have nothing wrong with being studied and well-versed and know something. But I don't act crazy because of what I don't know. What I learned didn't shut me up. My education didn't calm me down. What I found out is what turned me on to God. And people get this idea that the more I know, the calmer I get. Not me. The more I find out, the greater my praise becomes. I'm moving on. Number three. The church of Philadelphia. Everybody say Philadelphia. To the church at Philadelphia, he writes about some amazing things that are going on in this church. He says, first of all, you have an open door. You have strength. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. In fact, we cannot find an imminent threat going on in Philadelphia. He doesn't rebuke them for anything. He only reminds them this. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, he reminds the people of Philadelphia. He says, make sure. Let me see what verse it is so I can give it to you. Yes. Make sure, verse number 11, this is what I want to remind you of. Make sure, see to it, that no man takes your crown. <sighs> if I had time and strength, I'd shout all over this church till I tore the carpet up. I want to tell you right now, you can take a lot of things, but you can't have my crown. Too many people are surrendering their crown these days. You know what your crown is? Your crown is what you're going to get when you cross the finish line. And when you cross the finish line, they're going to put a crown of an overcomer on your head. And you know what you're going to do with that crown? You're going to take it off. And you're not going to admire it. You're not going to talk about how beautiful your crown is. You're not going to celebrate how you got the crown because you're going to remember it was you that never kept the crown. It was you that didn't win the crown. He's the one that overcame. He's the victor. And he gave me this crown. And what you're going to do with that crown is you're going to walk up to the king of glory. And you're going to take that crown off your head. And you're going to throw it at his feet. And you're going to sing a song that angels don't know how to sing. You're going to sing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, who was dead and is alive forevermore. My God, don't let anybody take your crown. Take your car. Take your jacket. Let them take your new Nikes. Let them take your house. Let them take your stuff, your coin collection, your baseball cards. Give it all away. But don't let anybody take your crown. My God, slap three people beside you and tell them you can't have my crown. 
You can't have my crown. Oh, God, who am I preaching to right here? You cannot have my crown. You may be able to take a little bit of my sleep, but you can't have my crown. You may be able to take my friends, but you can't take my crown. You may be able to... I had my car stole twice in three months. They took my Cadillac, but they did not take my crown. I want you to know that you can't have my crown. My God, somebody praise him that one day you're going to walk around on streets made out of gold. One day you're going to walk through gates made out of pearl. One day you're going to live in a land called no more. Why do they call it no more? Because there'll be no more dying and there'll be no more crying and there'll be no more cancer and there'll be no more sorrow and forever we will bless his name, the one who brought us out, the one who picked me up, the one who turned me around. I've got to keep my crown. Somebody praise the Lord for a crown today. I said somebody praise the Lord for a crown today. In fact, I'm going to need my crown because the first time he came, they tied him to a whipping post and they beat him with a cat of nine tails and then they put a crown of thorns on his head. But the next time he comes, they won't put him on a whipping post. The next time he comes, they won't beat him with a cat of nine tails. The next time he comes, they won't crown him with thorns, but we will crown him with praise. Oh, glory. I know it's 152 and you're ready to go eat, but I want to give God a crown of glory. I want to give God a crown of praise. Somebody be on shire. Somebody crown him with praise right now. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You can't have it. You can't have my crown. Oh, Lord. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it won't do you any good. You can't have my crown. It won't do you any good. Talk about me like a junk car dog, but you can't have my crown. Oh, I plan on giving him glory while the ages roll. The Bible said he will give us a crown of glory, the Lord himself. Watch ye, therefore, you know not the day, y'all old folk know this one, when the Lord shall call your soul away, if you're striving, fighting for the right. I'm gonna wear a crown, gonna wear a crown, when the trumpet sounds, when the trumpet sounds, oh yes, I'm gonna wear a robe and crown just as soon as my feet strike. 
I'm gonna lay down my heavy. Gonna put on my robe. In. I'm gonna shout and tell a lie. I'm gonna sit down beside King. I'm gonna tell him how I made it. Gonna put on my robe. In. Gonna shout and tell a lie. We shall wear our Robin Crown! Robin Crown! Robo Sunday Marco! He must Sunday the Lobosha! Somebody praise him for a robe and a crown! Yes! Yes! I wish somebody would take 15 seconds in spite of all the hell you've been through, in spite of all the night seasons. I want you to praise God that in the midst of it all, he kept you and he watched over your life. Somebody pray. I'm through. Stand with me, I'm through. I got one more church, but I'm going to do it while you're standing. He said to that church, he who overcomes, I will make him or her a pillar in the temple of God. You know what that means in the Greek? It meant an unmovable fixture. When I get to heaven, it's a one-way ticket. And when we cross over, some of y'all don't like preaching about heaven. I really don't care what you like. You ain't heard enough preaching on heaven in your life. There's too many people thinking they're going to be here forever. But I want you to go home and look in your mirror. Your mess is sagging. Your eyes are sagging. Your eyes are bagging. You're getting older. It's a reminder that you won't be here forever. Oh, but one day this corruption is going to put on incorruption and this mortal is going to put on immortality. And Ricky, your hip ain't going to hurt no more. I just want to thank God that one day he's going to make me a pillar in the temple of the Lord. Stand, stand, stand. I'm through. Verses 14 through 22, the last church. The church of Laodicea. Oh, God. He couldn't find one thing to thank them for. He rebuked them immediately. He said, you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, because you're interested but not invested, because you're aware but not awakened, because you're informed but not transformed. Because you attended but were not present. I don't have no help in here. He said because you were just lukewarm. Uh, you had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Uh, it's not that you wanted the world. It's just that you didn't want the kingdom. 
And it's not just that you didn't want the kingdom, you really didn't want the world. You were just in between, betwixt and between. Uh, well, on Sunday, you had your Shandai. On Monday, you had your Budweiser. I'm not getting no help in here right now. Oh, but this is this, this Luke. I can't determine if I'm going to be in or out. Am I going to be right or wrong? I just want to remind you that you don't get to decide to be lukewarm and it be all right because God likes a certain temperature. He would even prefer cold. Boy, this is holiness preaching right here. And you can tell we ain't had enough of it in the church because people, you start talking like this, they're like, well, let me get my things. I just got to... I'm out. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> you don't get to decide the temperature. When I go to the restaurant, I like lights, lots of ice in my water. You bring me out a glass of water with two cubes of ice, it's a waste. I want it to freeze my vocal cords. I get to decide, Pastor John, what I like. And I don't have to accept it if it's not the right temperature. And I just want to remind you, this is not customizable Christianity. Snap your neighbor, tell them, neighbor, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. Turn the temperature up. Some, come on, come on. Find somebody to tap on everybody near you till somebody receives it. Turn it up, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up. This, this, this loom, room temperature. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me get right here for a minute. This room temperature Christianity. You know what room temperature means? Everybody's okay. Everybody likes the temperature. But I'm going to tell you right now, God's calling us out of that room temperature Christianity. God wants it hot. He wants somebody to have white, hot faith. Oh, I don't want to offend nobody. Get over it. If they didn't like Jesus, they pretty, pretty sure they're not going to like you either all the time. If you're in this business because you want friends and influence people and you're trying to be liked by everybody, go back to the altar and get delivered from the fear of man. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. Tell the truth. Live holy. Walk in love. Walk in forgiveness. And don't worry about what the world says. He said, because you're neither hot nor cold, I only have one, one action. I'm going to have to spew you out of my mouth. Now, that's harsh. And we ain't heard this preach. How many, how many can say you heard this last week somewhere? You didn't hear this last week. Ain't nobody preaches this text no more because we don't want to offend nobody. And most of the time, we don't want to offend nobody because we need all the money we can get because we got in debt over our head and don't know how to tell the truth now because we got to have everybody help pay the bills. I just want to let you know we're going to have the bills paid in this house whether you like what I say or not. We still need to hear the truth of the word because it is the truth that will transform us. And trying to just always make everybody like us does two things. It causes us to lose credibility and the people who need transformation never hear the truth that will set them free. So now what we have is a complacent church.
And if you start preaching pure living, people call you a legalist. Well, well, let's, you know, that's just, you, I heard someone come, I, I never forget it. I wish I could. I can't. So one time somebody come up to me and say, you know, you're a dinosaur. I said, Because I don't care how cute and modern we get, and I'm thankful for all the bells and whistles. I like our new screens. I like our smoke and lights. You don't like it? I'm sorry. We like it. But that's not what I'm going to depend on. And that's not going to cover up what might be missing because I'm not walking with God. At the end of the day, it's an enhancement, but it's not the source. I want us to make it. And more than me wanting you to make it, he knows he wants you to make it. Overcome. Don't live a lukewarm life. Don't live a lukewarm life. You know what the reward is for those who overcome the threat of lukewarm living? He said, I'm going to let you sit on my throne with God. Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't even know how to fathom such a thing. But he told me I was going to sit with him on his throne. Oh, can you praise God for that? You say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to pay the price and give it up. Give up what? He just gave you the promise of a reward of sitting on the throne with God and you're trying to convince me how something in this world could be more attractive and appealing to you than sitting with God on his throne while the ages roll? You lost your mind. Live every day. Live every day with the reward in mind. Reinhard Bonnke taught me something one time. He said, mind in the beginning what matters in the end. Mind in the beginning what matters in the end. You ready for this? We're done. When we get to the end, think about what you think is important now. It just ain't all that important anymore. I'm not talking about not having a strategy for now. We've been talking about the kingdom for four years. But God told me about four weeks ago when you preach this, you're going to feel a little bit of resistance because people think, oh, he's not talking about the kingdom. He's talking about heaven. And the problem is, if you don't remind the saints about heaven and the reward now and later, some of them go through such war now that their faith gets weak if they don't, be, don't ever get reminded of the reward they have coming in their future. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Lay your hands on your heart and say, I want, oh, 
blood But now I'm found Was blind Hallelujah Here's what I want you to do I want you to let go to pray I want you to lift your hands in a receiving position I'm going to bless you before you leave today. They're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. They're going to pray and talk to God. I'm going to ask God to touch your life today. Lift your hands in a receiving position. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Oh, God, today we thank you for the reward of the overcomer. We'll be dressed in robes of white. We'll be sitting with you on the throne. Father, we're thankful for the blessing that you'll make us a pillar in your temple. You're going to reward the overcomer with a crown of life. Let no man take this crown. I pray this week, God, every time our faith is challenged and every time we feel the resistance of the kingdom of darkness pushing on us, we'll be reminded of the reward of the overcomer. And we are grateful and we testify that Jesus, because you overcome, we shall overcome as well. I bless the people this week with the best week of their life. Give them divine appointment and favor. Be with us in Jesus' name. And the people of God said amen. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Go in the house of the Lord. God bless.